you know, Christmas season's a weird time. I, I love Christmas so much. I love the sounds and the lights and the music. And This Christmas, though, if I were being honest with you, has been probably the weirdest Christmas of my 45 years on this planet. It's just been, been hard. I, I haven't had the normal feels I have at Christmas time. For me, Christmas, I, I'm just abounding with joy most of the time. And this Christmas, it's been, it's been difficult. And I could come up here and act like everything is perfect and there's nothing wrong or difficult and put on a show and lie to you or I could tell you the truth. It's been really, really hard. And I think there are some of you who need to hear the hard part of the, the season of Christmas because you're experiencing it too and you think you're alone. So if you don't know, those of you who are visiting, uh, about a month and a half ago, I had a major surgery that left me basically for almost the entire month of December unable to walk. This is my first real outing. The most common story I'm getting from people right now is, you're walking without crutches. It's incredible. And it's been great. I'm so grateful to be here without crutches. But for the most of the month, I haven't been able to walk around, which means I wasn't able to go to the Christmas tree farm like we always do. We cut down our tree, couldn't do it. I didn't get to help put up decorations like I do every single year. I didn't get to do all the normal things that I do. And and I gotta be honest with you, it's been hard. It's been frustrating, and I've, I've felt a bit sad in missing all of this tradition. And then for the first time in my life, two and a half weeks ago, almost three weeks ago, I got COVID for the first time. And we watch, we watch Christmas movies like every night. We have to map them out over December to make sure we watch all of them. And we're trying to do it on Disney Plus doing group watch because I'm quarantined in my bedroom and they're in the other room. And it's just weird. It doesn't have any of the same feeling. And I've just found myself kind of sulking around the house. And it's just, it's not been joy-filled like normal. And I don't know, I, I may be the only one, I could just be projecting upon you, but I just wonder if there aren't some of you in this room tonight or watching online, and you're having a weird Christmas too. Maybe, maybe for you, this Christmas is super painful because there's somebody that you love that you wanna be with you who's not with you. And it's just really hard to have a joyful feeling at Christmas time when you miss that person. Maybe life is utter chaos right now. Like you, you, you're just trying to catch a breath. You just want to make it, but it's like, like the bike is going down the road and spokes are flying off while you're going down the road. You don't even know if you're going to survive this because things are so chaotic and haphazard right now in your life. And you're overwhelmed, utterly overwhelmed. Maybe if you were being honest, you feel like you're up against something that feels completely impossible. You don't know how your marriage is gonna survive. You don't know how you're gonna pay those bills because you know they're coming. You put everything on the credit card. You got no clue how you're gonna make this work. You got no clue how you're gonna overcome this failure, how you're gonna keep your job after that bad review. You got all this pressure burdening you and it feels utterly impossible and you're here tonight and you're afraid of what's coming next. Or maybe, maybe you just, you feel numb inside. There's a side where like, you should feel something, but you don't even feel feelings right now. There's this numbness and this brokenness and this deadness where it's like your heart isn't even working. Listen, if that's you by any chance tonight, I believe the Lord has a word he wants to speak to you. And what he wants to tell you is that in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of the impossibility, in the middle of the pain, the Holy Spirit wants to break in and bring life where there was nothing but death because that's what he does. And the Christmas story is the prime example of it. I want you to, if you will, if you have, if you have your Bible, I'd love you to open up. Even have your phone, your app. I'd love you to go to Luke chapter one with me. 
because we're going to see this played out. Now, we are in the middle of a sermon series on Christmas Eve night. Now, I've only been given like 15 minutes, so don't worry. It won't be a long sermon. But we're going to have a, a little sermonette that's going to continue on. It won't finish until 11 a.m. tomorrow when we have a virtual service. So those of you, you're going to get to attend church in your PJs because it's going to be in your living room as you tune in at 11 o'clock to the virtual service where we're going to conclude the Spirit of Christmas sermon series. But tonight, we're going to look one more time at this unlikely character in the Christmas story. Not, not the spirit of Christmas as in the attitude or the heart of Christmas, but the Holy Spirit, the main architect behind the Christmas story. And we're going to see how he shows us how the spirit comes crashing into the chaos and the brokenness and the difficulty. We're going to see it whenever Mary has that angelic announcement that we read about. So the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Now, you're so familiar with that story that you don't think about how stinking weird it is that this lady who has never been with a man has just been told she's going to conceive and give birth to a son and name him Jesus. Mary's response, I think, is, uh, is just understated a bit in verse 34. I want you to read it with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. It says, And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I, I don't know uh, how it works. I and mean, this is written in Greek. And so I, I think sometimes like when they translate it over, they make it prim and proper. I just don't think it was quite this prim and proper. I think Mary was freaking out a little bit. And, uh, and she was really pretty overwhelmed this moment and goes, uh, question, Mr. Angel, sir. Uh, there's a little problem. Uh, this Rudolph has not played that reindeer game with a man before. So... Um, <laughs> How am I going to have a bun in the oven? That, that doesn't work. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. And I love the angel's response in verse 35, because here's where you discover the Holy Spirit. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And there you see it. The Holy Spirit comes into the Christmas story yet again, and he hovers over Mary. And the moment he hovers over Mary, immediately the impossible becomes possible, and there's life in her womb. And what you learn is that every single time the Holy Spirit hovers, life comes. It happens again and again and again in the Bible. You might not know this, but this is the culmination of a whole testimony of the Bible, beginning in the very first book of the very first chapter of the, of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, you see the exact same principle at play. Every time the Spirit hovers, life comes. So if you are able to, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. I want you to read the first two verses of the whole Bible and listen to this theme come up. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here you have chaos, total chaos, darkness, a void, emptiness, nothingness, and then the Spirit hovers. And then what happens? Well, if you read verses 3 and on, immediately... Order comes to the chaos. Abundance fills everything. There's life. You get light and dark separated. You get the waters separated. You got the heavens above and the land and the, the waters. And then everything is filled with life. There are birds in the heavens. There are fish in the ocean. There are animals on the, on the land. And then humanity comes. Why? Because the Spirit hovered. And every time the Spirit hovers, life comes. You got another example of it. If you were to flip over to the book of Ezekiel, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible, chapter 37. In this story, 
God tells Ezekiel, the prophet, to go out to this valley where there's all these dead bones everywhere, all these dried up, completely dead bones. And then God says to Ezekiel, can those bones live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know, God, you, you alone know. And God said, I want you to prophesy over these bones and see what I can do. That's where we jump in in verse 7 of Ezekiel 37. It says this. Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there was sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. He said, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now you read that, and you don't see what this has to do with the Spirit, because it's in Hebrew that it was originally written, and you're reading in English. But the, the key, back in verse 10, he says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and it says, And the breath came into them. That word breath is, in Hebrew, ruach. Another word for that is wind. Another word for that is spirit. So it says, and he prophesied, and the ruach, the spirit, came into them, and immediately they came to life. It's another picture. Every time the spirit hovers, even when the bones are dead, there's no life into them. Immediately life comes. And just to make sure there's no ambiguity, he keeps on going in verse 11. He clarifies what he's talking about. Verse 11, he says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Listen to this. And I will put my ruach, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. The Spirit of God will come inside of those who were dead. Now, when he says, I'm talking to you, Israel, when he says you were dead and you're going to come out of your graves, he's not talking about physically. He's talking about spiritually. He said, inside you were dead and broken and gone. But when my Spirit hovers, life comes. And what was dead comes to life. And then you get to Luke chapter 1. And you have Mary saying, this is utterly impossible. There cannot be life inside me. The normal means to get life has not happened. How can this be? And he says, the Holy Spirit will hover inside you. And the moment he does, life will come into your womb. This whole story of Christmas is teaching us how the Holy Spirit works. He can take a peasant girl who had nothing to offer and put the Son of God inside her because the Spirit hovered. He can take any impossible situation. He can take any chaos. He can take any brokenness. In the moment the Spirit hovers, life comes. So right now, you're asking yourself, okay, Jason, thank you for that teaching on the Holy Spirit, but it's Christmas Eve. Shouldn't we be talking about Jesus? Shouldn't we be talking about angels and shepherds? Shouldn't we be talking about Mary and Joseph? Why are we talking about hovering spirit? Well, the reason I think we need to talk about this is because I believe there are some of you that God has brought you here tonight because he knows it is time for the Spirit to hover in your life. I prayed. I've been walking around this room, so have the staff, and we've been praying for you. There are some of you who are here tonight, and God has brought you here because you are overwhelmed by the same things we've talked about. You're just like Genesis chapter 1. Your life is in chaos. You are so broken. You are so exhausted. You almost don't even want to go home because you've got to put up with so much when you get there. You don't want to wake up in the morning because of all the chaos that's going to ensue. 
You don't want to go back to work when Christmas vac- the break is over because you, you don't know what it's going to be like. You are in chaos. And you're just praying somehow by some miracle God can do something. Well, he can when the spirit hovers. Or maybe, maybe you're like the valley of dry bones. Just inside right now, like I mentioned before, you are dead inside. You haven't felt joy in a long time. You haven't felt much of anything in a long time. You've been so hurt by people. You've had so many hardships. You're almost afraid to feel anything anymore. And you're just wondering, will this heart of mine ever tick again? Will I ever experience joy? Will there ever be anything that, that God or anyone else can do to make me feel love? And I'm here to tell you that when the Holy Spirit hovers, what was dead comes to life. Or, or maybe you're like Mary and you're facing something that feels utterly impossible. And you're just praying by some miracle God can intervene. And let me tell you where that miracle comes from. It comes from the hovering Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit hovers, that's when you begin to see the power of Almighty God. Life, where all there was was chaos and brokenness and death. And I believe there are some of you tonight who need to experience the power of the hovering Spirit in you. But here's where the Christmas story comes to bear. See, the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit will not come into a vessel that is unholy, or he would make himself holy. And the, the, the real crisis is you and I, according to the Bible, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means that we have made ourselves unholy, unworthy vessels. vessels. The Holy Spirit cannot hover inside of us because of our brokenness. And that's exactly why God sent his one and only son to come to earth. This is where the Christmas story gets really, really good. You see, we think it's about a baby sitting in a manger and in that special angels and stars and this beautiful, and we leave it there. It's, it's a cute little story. It's so much more than that. We think it's a story just about God taking on flesh. Wow, mind blown that God himself would come to earth and we stop there and we forget the reason why God would take on flesh. He took on flesh for a purpose because he knew our sin was too much and we were no match for it. So he came to earth to do what we couldn't do. He knew we couldn't be righteous, so he said, I'll be righteous for you. And he lived a sinless life. And then 33 years later, the purpose of his birth came to bear It was so he could be a lamb to be slaughtered. And he willingly went to a cross so he could bear the sins of humanity. And all who would believe upon him would have their sins washed away immediately. Not because they prayed the right kind of prayer, because they gave enough money, they did enough good works, but simply because they trusted that what Jesus did was enough. That was the purpose of that baby. And the moment they throw their faith upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit invades in a beautiful way and takes all the chaos and the brokenness and heals and brings life. And I just wonder if there aren't some of you who are here tonight who are desperate enough, broken enough, and ready enough to experience life to say, if Jesus is the way, then I want him. And tonight, I want to give you a chance to have him. We've never done this in the 17 years I've been here at Fielder. I don't think we've ever done this before on a Christmas Eve service. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do. But I just believe there may be some of you who are here tonight who need to stop pushing off the Lord and saying, maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. And on the holiest evening of the year, the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus, there just may be some of you in this room who are finally ready to say, I give up. I can't fight this fight anymore. I'm not gonna win. I can't can't deal with this broken heart. I can't fix my life. Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need you. And if you're desperate enough and you wanna experience the power of the spirit inside you, and you're ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do so tonight. And you don't know it, but back over there, maybe you haven't seen it, there's a baptistry. 
And we have a chance this very night, if the Lord would call you to, to express your faith in Jesus Christ and to be baptized tonight before you leave. Let me tell you why I believe God wants to do that. There are some of you I know, God has been moving this year in profound ways. As a church, we have seen 265 people baptized in less than nine months. It's a move of God, and I don't think he's done. But this is our last time to be gathered together in this room, together before we hit the new year. And there are some of you that God has been drawing you and he's been fighting for you and you've been stiff-arming. And maybe tonight you're finally desperate enough to say, okay, I give up. If I need to be obedient, if that's how I discover your power, I'm ready. In a moment, I'm going to walk down to this front. I'm going to have everybody stand up, and we're going to have a song of worship. And if the Lord is telling you today is the day for you to come join me, then I'm going to invite you to come down front with me. And what will happen is we'll see. Maybe no one will come. Maybe more will come. But we'll come together down here, and I'll pray with you. Then you'll have a chance to go talk to a counselor to make sure you fully understand. We don't want to rush into this decision at all. But if you're ready tonight, before we leave, you have a chance to put on a Jesus in my place t-shirt to go up into that baptistry and to show the world that you are placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your one and only hope. And this is the step where you're saying, as the outside of me is washed clean, may the inside of me be washed clean so the spirit can come. May the old me die. May the brand new me come. May, be, may this be the marker when my whole life and eternity changed. It was that Christmas Eve when I was crazy enough to come down front. And I want you to know it is a crazy thing for you to come down front on Christmas Eve. But some of you need a little bit of crazy in your life right now. And when you're at the end of your rope, that's when it's time to get crazy. And if you're crazy enough and bold enough and brave enough and ready enough to join me, then I'm going to be down front. And if you want to come, then we'll help you take the step of faith and discover the power of the hovering spirit which brings life. So you all stand up with me. And you get ready to respond as you need to. Maybe you just need to pray. But I'm going to come down front. Now let me say this. I guarantee you, your feet are going to feel like bricks. And you're going to feel like you should come down, but you can't get your feet to move. It's going to require a literal step of faith. But that step can change your eternity. If you need to take that step of faith, I'm going to invite you down here. You come join me.